0: Okay, okay, okay. That is the Foghorn. It's time for the Cavas Ships podcast, where we try and cut through the fog of the murk and shine a bit of light on naval and maritime issues of the day. I'm Chris Cavas.
1: And I'm Chris Cervella.
0: Coming up, the general appearance of the U.S. Navy's ships has become, for better or worse, a routine topic discussed by a variety of commentators, reporters, and observers. It is widely agreed that the Navy does not look as squared away as it once did why is this happening? What are the real-world effects of rusty-looking ships? Does it even matter that much? Is what's inside those ships more important than what the outside looks like? We'll talk that over. And this week, the White House nominated a key Senate staffer for the Navy's number two civilian office, the Undersecretary of the Navy. We'll take a look at the importance of that particular job. But first, a quick roundup of naval news around the world.
1: The USS Harry S. Truman Carrier Strike Group passed eastbound through the Strait of Gibraltar on December 14th, two weeks after leaving Norfolk for a deployment. Carrier Air Wing 1 is aboard the Truman, which is making her third deployment in three years. The strike group also includes the cruiser San Jacinto, possibly on her last cruise before being decommissioned, as well as the Norwegian frigate Fridtjof Nansen. The US destroyer Arleigh Burke left the Black Sea on December 15th, after nearly three weeks of operations. The United States has increased its military presence in the region, including deployment of aircraft as well as ships, in the face of fears of possible Russian invasion of Ukraine. US and other warships from countries not on the inland sea are forbidden by the Montreux Convention from maintaining sustained operations in the Black Sea, where the French frigate Auvergne is now currently operating.
0: The damaged Seawolf-class attack submarine USS Connecticut, put into San Diego on December 12th after a surface transit from Guam. The submarine suffered severe bow damage in a collision October 2nd with an underwater seamount in the South China Sea and was at Guam for nearly two months for temporary repairs. The Connecticut's leadership team was found at fault for the collision, and the Navy on November 1st relieved the subs commanding and executive officers and the chief of the boat of their duties. It is not clear why the submarine was in California as she's headed to Puget Sound Naval Shipyard in Washington State for permanent repairs. With her damaged nose cone removed, the Connecticut left San Diego December 15th to resume the trip to Puget Sound.
1: The Marine Corps will no longer allow its venerable amphibious assault vehicles, or AAVs, to be used in the water, the service announced on December 15th. The decision came after a fatal accident in 2020 that killed eight Marines and a sailor when an AAV sank while training in California. The Corps has concluded the vehicles are safe to operate on land, but will no longer be used in the water, either for training or on regular deployments. The replacement for the AAV, the Amphibious Combat Vehicle, or ACV, is suffering several development issues, and in September, the service suspended water operations pending fixes. A laser weapon fitted on the amphibious transport ship USS Portland was successfully test fired December 14th at a static surface target, the Navy reported. The Portland is currently deployed to the U.S. 5th Fleet in the Middle East, and the test took place in the Gulf of Aden. The 150-kilowatt laser was installed on the Portland in late 2019 at San Diego and is part of the Office of Naval Research's Solid State Laser Technology Maturation Program. The solid-state laser can be used against sea or air targets and is different from Dazzler laser systems fitted to several Pacific Fleet destroyers.
0: In historic ship news, the World War II-era destroyer Orlik was towed from Lake Charles, Louisiana, to Port Arthur, Texas, where she arrived December 16th. The ship commissioned in 1945 is a Gearing-class Fram-1 destroyer that, after service in the Turkish Navy, was first displayed at Orange, Texas, in 2000 the ship relocated to lake charles in 2011 but over the years the orlick has suffered damage from hurricanes rita in 2005 and laura in 2020 but in august of this year the city council of jacksonville florida unanimously approved a plan to display the ship in downtown jacksonville the move to port arthur is to dry dock is to dry dock the ship and then repair and restore her prior to the move to her new home good luck to the Naval Museum Orlick folks. And that's a look at Naval News this week.
1: All right, Chris, let's move into uh, our discussion topics. Um, For topic one, uh, earlier this week, the White House revealed its intention to nominate Senate staffer, Eric Raven to become Undersecretary of the Navy. Raven, who's well-versed as a senior staffer on the Senate Appropriations Subcommittee on Defense um, is deeply familiar uh, with Navy programs. Um, This decision um, uh, created a lot of, um, I guess, consternation, you might say, in circles on Twitter, as well as on uh, bulletin boards among navalists. Uh, there were those that immediately recognized uh, Raven's qualifications as the majority clerk on the SACD. And then there were others that said, uh, you know, that pointed to his lack of Navy experience. So let, let's talk a little bit about the, the role of the under Chris and um, some of the relationships that we've seen over the last couple of decades, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Um, and does it matter that uh, Raven brings this type of legislative experience uh, or does it matter that he doesn't have uh, na- Naval experience?
0: Well, it's always a good question. And uh, of course, we've been having all these acting, uh, p- people who are acting in the role of or performing the duties in the role of, so there's been an absence of permanent um, occupants of a lot of these offices in, in the Pentagon for really some time. Um, it's, it's time for some stability and some continuity. So this is, this is good news that it, and he seems like a pretty good pick. Um, it's an interesting job, the undersecretary, and there are many times when uh, the undersecretary gets a lot of attention. Certainly when, when Bob Work was undersecretary under Ray Mavis, um, he was a, an attention, a, a spotlight magnet. Um, and there are plenty of others who toil in relative obscurity. The job pretty much is is, is, is what you want to make of it. There are some obligatory uh, responsibilities primarily in, in, in terms of representing the Navy on certain OSD panels and dealing with counterparts on the other services but beyond those there, it's pretty it's a pretty open portfolio um, and it, it depends a lot on who the who the secretary is what does he want out of that job how does he see that working with his and it's um, I'm not entirely sure how uh, Carlos del Toro the secretary um, is looking at this obviously he proved it um, but I, I'm not sure what the roles are. What have you, have you heard anything like that, or what do you think?
1: I've heard nothing but rave reviews about Eric Graven uh, mm-hmm. as a Senate staffer, uh, as a thoughtful member of the committee staff that um, you know knows the legislative business, knows the Pentagon, knows right. how the two uh, organizations uh, should work together, um, and uh, you, you know everybody I talked to that has a Hill background uh, thought this was a great pick and and thought it was. Um, very much in line with how the administration was picking uh, people to round out teams. So, I mean, I, I think that what you'll see from uh, from Raven, just based on, you know, the type of secretary that uh, Carlos del Toro has appeared to be, is I think you'll see Raven working in the trenches, um, helping to ensure that the Navy budget is uh, is shored up with the third deck, uh, as well as with the folks um on the hill. Uh, And then, you know, he'll, he'll fill in wherever the secretary wants him to, Uh, to the point that you made, I think it's better for the secretary and the under to be of like mind and to get along, which has not always been the case, um, than to necessarily be a perfect match or to come with the perfect uh, CV, uh, as it were.
0: Right. And, and, you know, different secretaries have different styles. Um, And all these, all these civilian appointments, jobs, these top jobs are set up for really a wide variety of uh, capabilities, in <laughs> the people who, who do them. Some people have, have, are really experts at this stuff. Some people, and I'm talking about the secretaries, some people uh, truly know the material. Um, some people it's, it's uh, more like just a bunch of photo op opportunities. Um, and all the services have gone through these patterns over the years and just go back through history. Um, so I, frankly, in recent years, the uh, last couple of decades, there have been many more service secretaries who have been truly vested in the job. And I mean, vested as in dedicated to the job um, than not. So, uh, you know, the, the deal with um, Bob Work, we all remember when uh, Ray Mabus Uh, became secretary uh, coming in with uh, obama and ray had one or two top issues that he wanted to focus on Uh, one was the 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 green revolution green fuel alternative fuels uh push there were a couple others and he brought in bob work essentially to you do the day-to-day stuff you you take care of the of the of of the details so i can focus on these bigger picture items that was just an attitude and that was that was the way it was going in over time i think um mr mabus uh, began to chafe at, uh, at the attention that uh, people paid to bob work who was always entertaining and always good for quotes and always uh, always somebody who was popular with the media and and, uh, and the hill um and that that relationship probably went on maybe too long but, it was, but that was the plan going in. Um, I remember in the 90s, um, John Dalton, uh, former governor of Virginia had the job and it was really just kind of a fun job for him. You know, He liked the trappings, it was, it was good. He, his undersecretary was Richard Danzig, um, who in the same mold did the day-to-day stuff. Uh, eventually Dalton uh, resigned, uh, left for, for the last year of um, Clinton's term and danzig was the secretary fleeted up as the secretary for but only for about a year and then there are others that have pretty much toiled in in obscurity susan livingston and dino avalas um under secretaries england and winter um they were effective no i'm not saying they weren't it's just they they didn't they, they they weren't limelight people they they weren't they weren't out there speaking on behalf of everything all the time uh the secretary preferred to do that himself so you just have different styles of people. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, 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 see what happens. But yeah, I, I would agree. I think, it, I think it's a good pick. He knows the hill, the hill knows him. Um, he knows what the hill will pay for, which is really good. Um, you know, there's, 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 that takes a lot of guesswork out of things. So I think, I think it's a fine appointment.
1: All right. Let's uh, let's shift gears maybe uh, to uh, you know, a little bit uh, spicier topic. Uh, I know it gets my, uh, my blood pressure uh, up uh, a few points, Chris, earlier this week, you shared images of the USS Arleigh Burke just after leaving the Black Sea. Um, Hard to miss in those pictures was the ship's condition. Um, And between you and me and whoever's listening, she looked terrible. Uh, There was surface rust in and around every drain. So the question I have for you, Chris Kavis, is does that matter? Uh, You talked about it a little bit at at the beginning, but should sailors, navalists, and even the American public that sees these images care what our ships look like? Does it reveal bigger issues with morale and readiness when you see these types of uh, rough spots all over ships? Does it take away from presence missions like the one the Arleigh Burke was conducting in the Black Sea? So let's get into it. Chris, can you judge a ship by its appearance?
0: Well, I would hearken, I'd answer that by hearkening back to the U.S. Navy's own criterion. And uh, for many years, uh, officers in the U.S. Navy are required to fill out encounter reports, intel reports, Uh, whenever you encounter foreign warships, foreign foreign military forces at sea, generally other ships. And it's a it's a form you fill out. Office of Naval Intelligence puts out puts this out and says, what is what does this look like? What does that look like? And a major portion of those things is uh comment on the on the general appearance of the ship. Is it seaman-like? Does it look efficient? Is there dirt? Is there rust? Does it does it seem like it operates very well? And back in the old in the good old cold war days with the soviet union particularly the last decade or so you know the we routinely downgraded the soviet navy commenting on all this rust and all this dirt and that they were they, they appeared to be slovenly and unseaman-like and and on all likelihood quite inefficient inefficient um so that is a that is a routine element to judge someone's combat efficiency by Um, you can't deny it and sailors from time immemorial look at other ships and uh, other boats and just you know are they squared away are they ship shape is uh are we are we all laid out bristol fashion or are we slovenly and uh, you know flying what used to be called dutch pennants and things like that and and it's just um yeah it does it does make a difference i think
1: It was never really something that I paid a ton of attention to, um, I guess, till recently. And so I don't know if that's just because of thinkers and writers like you sort of brought it to my attention or if it has become more of an issue. Now I will say having visited probably hundreds of ships in the 20 years that I was in the Navy traveling with, uh, with flag officers, you could definitely tell when you first walked across the brow of a ship, um, how how good the ship was, right? I mean, how good a CO there uh, was on the ship, the the crew morale, um, and and you know you, you could tell by the the general condition. You could tell by the way how the crew responded. Um, I I had not really given it much thought, um, you know, vis a vis rust um, or vis a vis kind of you know the general appearance of the ship on the outside. I do know exactly what you're talking about in terms of those. Um, Office of Naval Intelligence reports. I mean, having stood officer of the deck watch, I mean, I remember filling those out and I remember seeing Russian AGIs um, that would, would trail, um, you know, my, my old ship, the Harry S. Truman. Um, and, and to be quite honest, uh, in the early 2000s, those AGIs looked like there was no way they were gonna make it back across the Atlantic um, because of the similar appearance that we're now talking about, um, you know, vis-a-vis the Burke and, and, and others. Um, and the last thing I would say is, you know, having done um, a number of these presence uh, missions, uh, especially in Africa, uh, for Africa Partnership Station, the way our ship and our sailors looked was a big part of the mission. Uh, I mean, we, we wanted to look good. We wanted to present a professional image. Um, so I, I, I definitely think that it's, it detracts from the mission. Um, and it, it does make me wonder why all of a sudden um, right. that this has become more and more of an issue. No, we didn't used to look this bad,
0: um, but you know, I mean, you know, you, uh, I mean, especially having been close to quite a number of senior flag officers who, who uh, aside from being ship drivers were responsible for a lot of this. Uh, you hear a lot of excuses now People say, well, they're working too hard. It's a reflected reflection of the op tempo, the operations tempo. Uh, there just aren't enough ships. They're asking too much of everybody. Uh, they don't have time to to clean everything, to, to clean and paint. The port calls aren't long enough. The um, the paint is not very good. It's we have too many environmental regulations that the, we we get a lousy paint. I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of this all the time. What do you think of that? When when I mean you
1: yeah I, I don't I don't know about the the paint um, you know the the qual- I mean I know folks like you have dug into that and, and and poked some holes into you know that it's a quality of paint issue. I do agree um, that it's a it's a not tempo issue I, I think that as we've layered um, tasking uh, particularly administrative tasking on ships, I, I think the the outer appearance of the ship, other than what is um, required for preservation takes a back seat. It's a decision that that commanding officers make. I, I don't think they make a, a callous decision, you know, for the ship to look less ship shaped. But I think if you're given the opportunity to do training or do any of the other um, administrative burden, burdensome things that have been layered on them, I, I think painting the ship probably takes a back seat. I mean we kind of heard like we kind of heard that from Isaac um, you know, uh, when we talked to him uh, earlier in the year when he came on having just left, uh, just left command?
0: I guess the things that, that bug me the most, I, well, uh, which way do they even put it? There are a lot of things that bug a lot of people about this issue. Uh, the Navy gets defensive um, and, uh, and justifiably so, I think by, by frankly, a lot of cheap shots that, that people throw out. Um, last year the destroyer stout came home um, to norfolk after 200 some odd days underway uh, during the that uh, she was she was deployed when the pandemic hit and frankly leadership wasn't sure how to deal with a lot of things at that point point. and one of the one of the commands that sort of fell through the cracks there was the stout they didn't didn't want to put her in uh, do any port calls they supported her at sea you know but but they didn't they, they didn't stop running for something like 260 days it was a long time and when she came back to norfolk she looked like a ship that had been underway for 200 some odd days she really did doggone it she earned that i mean that wasn't that wasn't the stout's fault and i and i bristle every time Somebody, you know, goes on Twitter or somebody writes another story and uses the picture of the stout and says, this is terrible, this is awful. The stout is not an example of what we're talking about here. That's, that is liter- legitimate hard work. Um, that was unfair. And there are, there are quite a number of other examples. The stout was a particularly outstanding example. Um, what, and, and frankly, you know, ships come home from, from long deployments, especially out seven, eight, nine, ten months. Um, yeah they're going to look pretty rough and road hard and put up wet what annoys me is that that's not the reason that a lot of ships look terrible because a lot of ships deploy looking terrible they come out of an availability an overhaul looking terrible they they haven't even gone on deployment yet and and they look like they've been out for six months 10 months and it's that's what that's a that's a different situation So it's not just deployments. I understand the Arleigh Burke has had a rough deployment, not not rough, but busy deployment, but she deployed in August um, and she was operating up north, was in the Baltic, was in the North Sea, and um, okay. And now it's four months later and she's in the Black Sea. But she looks like she's been out for two years. What is this? Um, And this mission is to be seen. You know, this isn't like we're lurking in the mist somewhere, and we're trying to be, you know, the, all, all this opsec We're not here. This is a show the flag, look at us. We're here, and you know, we're watching you. That's the mission. That's why we go into the Black Sea. And the Russians, you know, you go through the Bosphorus, uh, past Istanbul, um, you enter the Black Sea. And usually, there's a Russian ship right there. They're they're already. They've seen you it coming. It's not like you can sneak up in, into the Black Sea. And there's, there's a ship, and sometimes, you know, they, they come on with the bullhorn, you know, you know, hi, welcome to the Black Sea, we'll be your escort. Um, <laughs> so there's no secret. Uh, the same thing in the Pacific, when, when, when we do, you know, FONOPS uh, by, by, by the Chinese reefs, and in the South China Sea, and in the Taiwan Strait, the presence of those ships is meant to be seen. It's a gray ship with guns and missiles and radars flying the American flag. And it gets a lot of attention, and they're doing the same kind of analysis on our ships that we used to do on the Soviets back in the day. And the Chinese ships look darn spiffy, okay, Roger. They're not far from home, and Roger, they probably aren't worried about um, environmental regulations. But we don't look that good next to them, and they're probably looking at us, think, seeing a navy in decline and that is a theme that we're running around right now major major theme is this a navy in decline is it a country in decline and when you see these dirty ships for whatever reason it it has an impact and it 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 just kind of reinforces that and i guess that's what there's a lot of reasons why why people don't always look their best people in ships but Sometimes it's like, yeah, but you, in this case, you should look your best. If you're gonna go into the Black Sea, look look like you're ready to go to war. Don't look like you've been at war.
1: For me, these types of observations are, are they are not because I'm a cranky retired guy. Um, I really think these are, this is another indicator of a Navy that is stressed, a Navy that is not the size um, that we need a Navy that is not resourced appropriately for the missions that it's being asked to, uh, to carry out. Um, So when I talk about this, and I think when we talk about this, it's not meant to poke anybody in the eye, certainly not the sailors on board USS Lee Burke. Right, no. But I think it's it's meant to highlight, again, it's another indicator that maybe something isn't right. And I would much rather talk about paint on the side wow. of a ship than a hole in the side of a ship um you know in three or four years in the south china sea
0: right yeah i agree okay well hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this. yeah we're gonna have a squawk box and i know i'm gonna talk about it let's talk about the paint issue i have to admit it it pains me every time i point out how bad a particular ship looks as we said there's quite a variety of reasons why ships look the way they do and it's not always fair to pin a poor appearance On a particular reason sure lots of ships work hard opportunities to keep up appearances simply might not be as available as they once were and just because a ship comes home after a deployment looking like well crap doesn't necessarily reflect ill on anyone other than the sea and the elements and the job at hand but it's the ships that go out looking poor that in my humble opinion should really be taken to task If a ship comes out of a maintenance period with rust running down her sides and all over the bridge face, it's a fair question as to why that is. If a ship goes out for a deployment where a major peacetime task is to show the flag and be seen, and that ship looks road hard and put up wet to start with, that says something other than, oh, our op tempo is too high. It's all too easy to take pot shops at ships that otherwise have put in the work to do the nation's business on the high seas. I try pretty hard to avoid that, but sometimes the criticisms are all too warranted. We are, and I truly hate to say this, the worst looking Navy in the world. The ship's own crews see it, their families see it. Everyone who sees those ships sees it. And a great many of them shake their heads and wonder what is going on. Whatever the reasons, the U.S. Navy needs to do a better job making its ships simply look better the world is watching and they are taking our measure
1: wow well said something tells me you're going to hear about that one (laughs) incoming Uh, incoming exactly (laughs)
0: all right that does it for this week as always our thanks go out to vaga maradian and the defense and aerospace group for their support
1: be sure to follow us at Cavas Ships on Twitter and remember this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud and Spotify. I'm Chris Cervello
0: and I'm Chris Cavas. Thanks for listening and bye-bye. Hey.